Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping solo and small firm attorneys in their practice. We're glad you could listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslomap.org, and you can find one of our many articles about law office management at our MassLomap blog, The Law Practice Advisor, masslomap.blogspot.com. There you'll also find our blog roll featuring the best practice management blogs in the country, including my friend's Noreno Petro's CompuJurist blog. Today, I've invited back my friend and colleague, Eric Mazzoni, Director, Center for Practice Management at North Carolina Bar Association in Chapel Hill. He has an excellent blog, Law Practice Matters, which focuses on technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship in the law. And as a recognized leader, he has spoken at the ABA Tech Show. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Eric. Thanks for having me, Rodney. As always, uh, just going back, uh, we recently had a discussion, Eric and I did, about the new rules for starting a law office. Today, I asked Eric to discuss the most important element of starting your practice, and that's getting clients in the door. Both Eric and I work with attorneys every day who are seeking answers to in their quest to start a successful law practice, and the most common one is, how do I get that a client in my door? Our answers to those questions is complicated by several factors. First, the number of attorneys opening practices is extremely large because there are fewer law firms hiring. Second, old solutions are not necessarily working. For example, 12 years ago when I started a law firm, the answer was easy. I started by accepting court-appointed criminal work. Times have changed, and in Massachusetts, there is a two-year waiting list to get on those lists. Third, most of the new attorneys do not have adequate capital to start a practice uh, and a marketing program. So, Eric, I have turned to you at this point to discuss what is a new attorney to do to bring those clients into the door. Well, Rodney, I was pretty lucky when I started practice uh, that I I had a great mentor who helped me start to figure some of these things out, and he really impressed on me that um, one of the things I needed to be doing, and this was, uh, I had started out life in a big firm, and, and uh, a few years later, I went to a small firm. And uh, when I went to the small firm was when I, I came across this guy who served as my mentor. And he really impressed upon me that one of the things I needed to do was go out there and start to meet a bunch of people who can serve as referral sources and to work systematically to cultivate those referral sources. So, um I, I did that, and I, that ended up being a hugely valuable thing for me, and it was great advice that I got. Do you think that um, the, the development of referral sources is probably the best thing that a young, new attorney can do to start bringing clients in the door, or do you think they should focus on some other type of uh, client development? 
No, I absolutely think that working on developing a referral network is is the best thing for a new lawyer in a new law practice to be doing. It's so high leverage. It doesn't cost very much. You know, it's the price of a cup of coffee, an hour of your time, um, and the willingness to pick up the phone and say, you know, sort of take that chance and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, could I, you know, buy you a cup of coffee and learn a bit, a little bit about your practice and tell you a little bit about mine. And when attorneys are trying to figure out, you know, wh- what individuals they should turn to to set up these coffees or lunches and, and seek to develop these referral sources, who do you think they should be aiming their, their time and efforts at? Well, I think to some extent it, it might change a little bit from practice area to practice area. And, and my experience when I went into a small firm was in doing family law. So, for example, one of the the groups that provide that can be good referral sources for family lawyers are um, mental health professionals, and so that ended up being a, a good group to do referral sources with. And it, I imagine that changes. I don't know too much about how to cultivate referral sources and criminal work and things like that. But one of the things we all share in common as lawyers across practice areas is that we make some of the best referral sources to one another. Folks, uh, regular folks who didn't go to law school probably don't know more than one or two lawyers out there. So when they have a legal problem, whether it's a speeding ticket or getting a divorce or what have you, they ask the one or two lawyers they know for referrals. And as lawyers, we know lots of other lawyers. We know them from law school. We know them from bar associations. We know them from around so we're in a good position to make referrals to each other. So I think one of the, the most effective groups to network with is with our own group of lawyers that we already know, our, our bar association friends, our law school friends, the, the other people we know who do what we do. And so you've you've mentioned attorneys, but you also mentioned uh, ref- creating referral sources from other professionals. Uh, and I think you mentioned healthcare professionals uh, for family law. Uh, I've seen that successfully used, I think, with like CPAs and uh, other professionals. How do you suggest that attorneys go out and try to network with these professionals that are outside their comfort zone, outside of their bar associations, et cetera? Well, I, to back up, I think practice has shown me, and I mean, I, I know this absolutely applies to me, and I think it applies to lots of lawyers, that it's not necessarily so comfortable to go network with lawyers either. I mean, maybe that's marginally more comfortable than talking to CPAs or, or you know, shrinks or somebody. But overall, I mean, I think networking is hard. It's hard to pick up the phone. It puts you in a position of vulnerability to have to say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking to, to meet people and to add to my business. So it's a, it's a thing that's outside the comfort zone of most people, even within the framework of networking with, within our profession. So I, I don't want to let that one slide by. But that said, to get to your question, how do we do it with outside the profession? Well, I think the, uh, the approach is largely the same. You decide on who you want to target as a potential referral source. You figure out, ideally, if you have a warm contact to this person, that would be great. It's much more comfortable to be able to email or call somebody and say, you know, Rodney gave me your name. Please don't hang up on me despite that. Uh, and I would like to see if I can take you out to lunch. I want to chat with you a little bit. 
I want to learn about your practice, your CPA practice, what have you. And I'd love to tell you a little bit about mine. And I, I think that is a template that largely works across most professions, certainly within any profession where the folks in it are familiar with the idea of networking to increase their own businesses. I mean, I think there are some places where it might be hard, say, for example, let's imagine you have a practice where you think uh, really great referral sources might come from, say, the government, the attorney general's office in your state or something. Now, the attorney generals might be a group of lawyers who don't per necessarily perceive the need to network. They might not feel like they need, you know, that the, they're not growing a business. This is not maybe an important part of, of what they do. So it might be a little more challenging with, you might have to have a different approach with someone who is not also in a small business trying to grow their own small business. Let me uh, ask you this. I mean, because this is some uh, question I get a lot too, is once you've identified this referral uh, network that you want to try to uh, talk to and you make the phone call and you set up the the lunch or the coffee and so forth. The question I get from people is, well, what do I tell them? What What is a convincing argument to them that I am the person they should be referring attorneys to? Uh, is it, you know, based on just the relationship? Is it based on my expertise? What What am I supposed to say once I have, once I'm in front of that person? Yeah, I think that's a good question, and I think the language that you used to characterize it revealed something that's fundamentally flawed about the way we look at this sometimes. It's not an argument that needs to be made. Uh, we don't you can't argue your way. You can't convince someone, you know, through logic or or you know, you know, an impassioned presentation as to why they ought to refer business to you. I think some of the best advice I've ever heard about networking or marketing successfully in a small business comes from a guy who wrote a book called uh, Duct Tape Marketing. And he writes a blog by the same name, does a podcast like that. His name is John Jantz. And uh, he said, the basic idea is that people need to know you, like you, and trust you. So when you go out to cultivate referral sources, those are the things you're trying to get to do. They need to know you. And that is not just know your name, but to know who you are, what you do. So that's Rodney, and he's a divorce lawyer who, you know, works in Boston. They need to like you, and they need to trust you. So those are the things that go into making our referral source. Not that it's not really an, uh, a chance for you to sit there and explain why your firm has all of these strategic advantages over other firms. We're priced lower. We do this different. We do that different. Maybe those things would go into it. Maybe those would be a part of it. But fundamentally, it's going to come down to whether people know you, like you, and trust you. Well, and I think that brings up a particular challenge for new attorneys, not that they're not easy to like uh, and easy to know at a, at a particular level. But what they, the next question they ask me usually is, well, why should they trust me? I've just gone out of law school. I've never had a client or I've had three and they've been in three different sectors of the law. What can that person do or that attorney do to try to develop the, the uh, I guess, the expertise or whatever it will take to be known and trusted by the person they're seeking to be uh, create as a referral source? Yeah, I, I guess I come at that from exactly the opposite place from you. I, I don't see that as being a a bigger hurdle for the new lawyer. I see it as being a field leveler for the the new lawyer, the new practice. And 
because since you're talking about being known, being liked, and cultivating trust, I think that we do those things through the power of relationships, that who we choose to trust is not necessarily built, at least, I mean, I know the people I trust in life, it's not necessarily like I trust you for apparently no real good reason. <laughs> and it, there's not, it's not built on a series of logical arguments. It's built on gut reactions and relationships. And the way I always think of it is, think about your doctor. Think about how much you trust her or him. And now think about why. Do you have any data points to suggest that your doctor is some fantastic doctor? Maybe you know where they went to med school. Maybe you know where they did their residency or something. But fundamentally, doctors, car mechanics, we're in the dark. We have no idea whether they're any good or not. We know whether things seem to keep working. You know, so so trust is, I think, an outcropping of successful relationship building, not a not a resume of of successful cases completed that that we need to brandish. So I think it can be an an absolute uh, game changer for the new lawyer because you can cultivate trust just as easily in your first day out of law school as you can after 25 years. So it seems to me like what you're saying is that the relationship, developing a strong uh, relationship with the person is almost more important or maybe more important than any actual experience that you have. As long as you come across as someone who's uh, a, a good person that they like, that they trust, that they feel like if they send a client to you, uh, that they could count on you doing as hard a, and as successful a job as you're capable of. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true, that we can get business that is out of proportion sometimes even of our our ability to handle it. I mean, well, I remember when I was a young lawyer, when I when I started out in that divorce law practice, I did a few initial consultations here or there that I had gotten either through my own networking efforts or because uh, other lawyers weren't available. And I can remember a few times where I sat down with clients and I did the initial consultation and I, I'm I'm happy to have had a law firm around me. I was lucky to have that because these clients were bigger cases than I might have otherwise at the time felt entirely ready for. But it didn't really bear and it my lack of experience didn't wasn't a hindrance. It was a matter of they, they trusted me when they sat down. Not, I'm not saying that to toot my own horn. I certainly blew it many more times than I got it right. I'm just saying that, yeah, our ability to create trust has absolutely nothing to do with our ability to successfully handle the cases. That's a whole other thing that needs to be pursued. I mean, because you certainly couldn't keep any trust if you kept screwing up everything you got your hands on. Right. And I mean, that's the case for developing good mentorship relationships with other attorneys uh, that have the experience necessary to handle the more sophisticated case that you've been handed at, at that point. Yeah, I think ideally, you know, people, uh, the lawyers I talk to, particularly the ones straight out of law school, they'd like to go get jobs in law firms. Sure. They'd like to have yeah. in the firm mentors. Absolutely. and uh, But they do seem to be, uh, I, ones that I talk to seem very... Uh, uh, hesitant or they seem to think that it's going to be difficult or impossible to develop a lot of mentor relationships. And and maybe that's true, uh, given how busy most attorneys are. Well, it, it probably, uh, it's got to have its challenges. There's no doubt about it. But I think there's a fundamental 
marketing resistance that we have as people, not just as lawyers. We may have a particularly acute case of it as lawyers, but we have a resistance to, to doing those things, to, to making ourselves vulnerable, to calling up someone and saying, hey, I'd like a little help. That's a hard thing to do. So it may be that we perceive it to be harder to find a mentor than it actually is. And in point of fact, most of the experienced lawyers I know are kind of flattered when people ask for their help, ask them to be a mentor. I mean, it doesn't mean they want to sign on for 30 hours a week of, of looking over somebody's shoulder, but they are happy to sign on for chatting once in a while and providing some guidance. Yeah, and I agree with that. I th- That's been my experience, too, that most attorneys are fairly approachable uh, as long as you're not basically trying to hand the case off to them. Uh, and they can give you advice, and and you will then go seek to implement that uh, as it as appropriate. Um, yeah, exactly. Going back to, I mean, do you have any suggestions? And I, I have to admit that I do not uh, about how to gird these attorneys to try to, you know, uh, start these calls uh, to referral sources. You know, I mean, you you talked earlier about how difficult it is for the uh, attorneys to make these calls and to, uh, you know, vulnerabilities and so forth. Do you have any good ideas about how you move past those those hesitations? to make yourself vulnerable and pick up the phone and ask for this help? If I say no, does that mean I'm never going to be invited back on your podcast again? <laughs> no, no, because I don't have any good good advice either, except just to, to pick up the phone and, and do it, and the second time it'll be easier than the first time. No, I'm a lawyer. I have an opinion. I mean, might not qualify as good advice, <laughs> but I certainly have an opinion on it. Um, my thought is that it, one of the things I wish I had known, because I, I certainly found this whole process as hard as any other lawyer. I hated calling people for this stuff too. It was, it's hard. It's still harder for me. But what I, I, what I wish I'd known then that I know now after a few years of working in a bar association is that a bar association is, or at least can be, a shortcut to developing warm contacts and lots of relationships with other lawyers in a really safe, easy environment where all of the other lawyers are largely there for the same reasons. So what I would say is if you're reticent to pick up the phone, call somebody out of the blue to ask to be a mentor, to ask to refer business, start by joining your local bar, your state bar, whichever bar association, find a committee or a section or something that you're willing to do. Call the chair and say, hey, I would like to volunteer. Do you need help with anything? Guaranteed that section chair or that committee chair has 10 million things they need help with, and they will plug you in. And before you know it, you'll know three other lawyers, then you'll know 10 other lawyers, then you'll know 30 other lawyers. And once you have that base of some warm contacts, it gets to be much easier. And you just have to remember that everyone else there is there for the same exact reasons. They're all, they're all there because they want to, whether they're you know running for judge. I know you all don't elect judges in your state. We do down in mine. Um, what, if they're running for judge or building their practice, they're all trying to meet people and, and get their name out there too. So it's a mutually beneficial uh, arrangement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and and I think that it tends to be a great place to develop the relationships you need to develop the referral sources and hopefully develop the um, uh, confidence that you can start picking up the phone and talking to people. But let me step back to the whole issue of ways to get clients in the door. And we've talked about a lot of different potential referral sources so far, but what about these kind of internet-based 
marketing companies that will sell you, you know, a section of a state uh, for a particular type of of practice or something like total attorneys where you're paying, you know, a certain number of dollars per referral that they send to you. What do you think about that type of investment for a younger attorney? Well, let's lump all of that stuff in together under advertising. Okay. Okay. Um, Because in my mind, it's all some version of advertising. It might be pay-per-click advertising. And I think you know, subject to the ethical rules that we're required to to operate within, um, I'm not one of the people who has a big problem with lawyers advertising. I think it can be done in cheesy, tactless ways that make my skin crawl. But I also think that, you know, it's like this is 2010. Business is advertising. Practicing law is a business. I hate to be, you know, crass about it, but that's kind of, that's the way it is. So I, I think, I guess I'd say I think there are there's potential value in those things. But at the top of this conversation, you said, and I think rightfully, that a lot of these lawyers starting out, starting practices are undercapitalized. So is starting out by dumping money into advertising the best use of of your limited cash? I don't know. Those things are pretty expensive. And most of these students are under crushing loan obligations to begin with. They're trying to keep the doors open. So when you can go successfully cultivate a referral source from a dollar twenty-five cup of coffee, as opposed to a you know seven thousand dollar a month advertising campaign, then I think that's better. Great. We need to take a short break now. When we return, we will speak more with Eric Mazzoni about how new attorneys find clients. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Eric Mazzoni, Director, Center for Law Office Management at the North Carolina Bar Association. So, Eric, we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, advertising on the Internet and so forth. But let me uh, and let's go back and talk a little bit more about what I think is uh, cost affordable types of advertising and uh, where does technology and, and social media fit into the new attorney search for clients in your opinion? Well, as you know, uh, I'm kind of a fan of social media, of the ability to use technology to leverage your, uh, awareness or your your raise your profile on the web. I like the idea. I think it's cool that we all own little printing presses in our laptops now. And so I, I'm sort of in love with that whole thing. 
And I've certainly seen some lawyers doing a really good job of using Twitter or even Facebook or LinkedIn or professional blogs to to help market their practice. That that having said, there's plenty of lawyers out there doing a really terrible job of it too. There's just uh, it can be a really useful tool like a lot of other tools. It can be used well or it can be used poorly. And yeah, that brings up an interesting question to me: is like where where should I go to figure out how to use it effectively, and and where I'm wasting my time? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, um, I have a few suggestions. First is to figure out who out there among the practicing lawyers are using it effectively. Try to take a look around, see who's who seems to be winning in these games, who's showing up everywhere, who's doing a lot, and ask them. Ask them how they learned how to do this. Most of the time, I think you'll find that they'll be very forthcoming and they're fairly ready to share what they've learned as they've done it. Because, you know, all this stuff is relatively new. We've all been learning it in the last few years. So it's not like anyone was born with this knowledge. So that'd be a start. Find the lawyers who are successfully doing it and ask them. And the second thing is, I really think that our when you start a law practice, your learning has just begun. And you're not just learning how to practice law. You're not just learning your substantive law area. You're also learning all the other aspects of running a business, including how to promote a business. And social media is one way to do that. And so figure out who you like, who's writing valuable things to teach you how to do that. That John Janch guy that I mentioned, the duct tape marketing stuff, I think that's one of the best blogs and and uh, books on marketing a small firm that I've ever seen, but there's lots of other good ones. I like Seth Godin. He's sort of a 30,000-foot view uh, marketing guy, but God, the guy is incredibly smart. There's tons of smart folks who talk about social media. Chris Brogan, who's up in your neck of the woods, has amazing things to say on how to use social media. His book, Trust Agents, is fantastic. I mean, there are many, many good resources out there. You just got to avail yourself of them. Well, great. Eric, we're going to have to wrap up this uh, edition of the Unbillable Hour. Is there any last uh, couple words that you would say to young attorneys who are starting out on their new venture of opening up a law office on how to bring those clients in? Yeah, I guess I would just end by saying this is hard for everybody, and this is the single thing that is going to distinguish who really makes it from who doesn't, is your willingness to go out and promote or market your practice. If you're not willing to do it, you might want to come up with another plan because it's not going to market itself. Ultimately, marketing is the key. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. And a very special thanks to our guests for joining us today. Eric, it's always a pleasure. Can you tell our listeners where to go if they wanted to find out more about you or read about your thoughts on starting and operating a law office? Yeah, you could uh, go to my blog, which is lawpracticematters.com. And uh, how about, are you on Twitter or any other social media that people can find you? I'm on all of those other things, but uh, if you start my blog, you can find me at all of my other reprehensible digit-absorbing social media outlets. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, at MassLowMap.org, or follow us on our Law Practice Advisor uh, blog, MassLowMap.blogspot.com, and on Twitter at at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this discussion in 140 characters or less. 
Remember, you can also find this podcast and all Legal Talk Network shows at www.legaltalknetwork.com and iTunes as well. I hope you'll join us again on the next on Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.